It's good to see everyone this morning. Take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn them to the text for this morning's message. We'll be continuing in the book of James in chapter 1. James in chapter 1. Let's stand together as we read the text. Stand in honor of God's Word, showing reverence for it. James chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 2 and go down through verse 8. James chapter 1. You'll find it there just a few books before the book of the Revelation at the end of the Scriptures. Right after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2. James 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Father, we ask your blessing again on this reading. Again, that you would have a full reign in services this morning. And we ask this to your glory and for and in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So we're talking about trials. The things that we don't like. The hard times we don't like. Again, as we looked at last week, we like when things are easy, but when things get going tough, it throws our whole world off. We don't like it. And here is James writing, saying, hey, when that happens, count it all joy. We're trying to get the answer to that question. What does he mean? Joy and trials. Well, I think we've taken a couple steps and we're going to try to finish it off this morning, but he brings up a subject uh, that uh, I don't know how you think of it in, in your mind, but patience can be one of those things we, we're iffy on. I'm not a patient person. <laughs> I get mad when the drive through takes more than five minutes. I get mad when my kids don't jump up instantly when I said, hey, go take the trash out. I'm talking like, Ten seconds is too long. I'm not a patient person. And that's the one thing we're never to pray for, right? You've ever heard that? Oh, be careful. Don't pray for patience. Well, why do we say that? Well, the idea is that if you pray for it, God might just bring you through something where you learn it. And usually it's not what we call good. And so people say, well, be careful with patience. Don't pray for that. Yet the Bible talks much about it, doesn't it? Patience is all through the Scriptures. And specifically here in our text, it says it's a product of faith that is tested. Like, that's a goal for us of God. He's going to work in us and through us to bring us to being patient, enduring people. And so, however we might feel about it, God says it's pretty important, doesn't it? And in fact, even if we learn the patience God would teach us, it can bring us to that place of having joy in trial. So that's what I want to take a look at uh, for the time we have left this morning. I do want to just call two important principles back to your mind that we looked at last week. 
The first being the perspective that we have. In verse 3 it says, My brethren, count it or consider it all joy. We have a perspective that the world doesn't have. The born-again Christian has a whole new view of life. They're a new creation in Him. They're passed from death into life by faith in Christ Jesus, and we are made spiritually alive, so we see things a different way. We have a heavenly view now when before we didn't. We can now see and realize who God is. We can see His working. We realize that He is sovereign over all things and Nothing happens outside of His will or His control. So that when trials come, we know down deep in our souls, God has this. It's not out of His control. We can look at society. We can look at politics. We can look at any uh, subject that you want to bring up and know that none of this is taking God by surprise. He is in control of all. He sees all things. That's a perspective we have that the world does not have. And so we have the ability, when trials come, to look past the immediate to the eternal things. And that can bring us joy, right? To know, ultimately, God is going to work through this. He's going to work it out, and it will be good in the end. And so we can take some measure of joy in that. The second principle we looked at last week was the fact that we operate on faith. From salvation on, everything that we do is by faith, isn't it? We are saved by grace through what? Faith. We come to church by faith. We pray by faith. We give by faith. We witness by faith. We do everything that God asks us to do with faith as the basis. And that in, at its core is believing and trusting in God, right? That's, that's a, a way that you could describe faith. Believing and trusting in God even through trials. So we need to keep those things in mind and let's, let's consider and continue on and see what this passage has to say and how patience factors in. So the first thing I want to set before your minds this morning is that patience is a product of tested faith. Patience is a product of tested faith. Look at verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When our faith is tried, patience is the product. Now that word trying there in the scriptures is, is the word uh, that means to put something to the test. To see if it's genuine. To see if it's the real deal. We understand that. We're surrounded by fakes. We're surrounded by scams. And uh, something comes along, we want to know if it's the real deal. I remember the first time I sold something on Craigslist, and I got that email. <laughs> uh, this, this might be old news, but this is just what I remember. Hey, I want to buy your thing. I'm going to send you a check, and it's going to be more, right? You deposit it, and you keep the rest and ship it to me. And I remember getting excited about that and think, wow, I'm going to make like a couple thousand dollars on this, and I'm only selling it for like a couple hundred bucks. This is amazing. I told my wife, look, see, look, look. Well, she has a better sense than me for those things. Something don't sound right about that. Well, come to find out it's a scam, right? And we're used to that. That happens a lot. So now we're kind of to the point we want to see if something's real. Can faith be fake? Can faith be untested? 
I don't know if there's a word, ungenuine or not genuine. Yeah, it can be. And the, to put it simply, the trials that we face or the hard times we come across in life, they put our faith to the test to see if it's real. They put our faith to the test to see if it's genuine and it's more than some lip service or empty chatter. Trials prove if we really trust and believe God for who He is. And if we really believe and trust Him for who He is through all circumstances. It's easy to believe God when things are good. When you got money in the bank account, when the doctor says you're healthy, when things are going good at your job and in your family and everything seems to be sailing along, it's easy to say, praise God, God is good all the time. It's different when everything crashes now, isn't it? God is no less good in the hard times than He is in the good times. The difference, as we said last week, is our faith. The tests make our faith real. As in, we really learn to trust Him. We really learn to believe Him when hard times come. God becomes much more real to us in the hard times many times than He does in the good and easy times. We feel Him. We know Him better. There are some people who think that God is good and faithful and just. And I say think for a reason. They think He's good and they think He's awesome and faithful and just because they got a new car. Or they landed that awesome job. Or they got a new house in the area they wanted And they say, oh, amen, God is great. Well, certainly all good gifts are from God, right? Look in verse 17 of this very chapter. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. So, yes, praise God for the good things we get. I'm not saying that's wrong. If you've got a good job, it's by the hand of God. If you're able to purchase worldly goods... Although in the end they, may, they don't really mean much, they're still a blessing, right? I think we would all say that. Praise God for it. But when you make that the totality of your relationship with God, when you make those things the whole totality of God's good, goodness and faithfulness, you've got a problem. That's shallow faith. If your experience is... If your experience with God is what God can give you in earthly goods, you don't know Him. You don't really know Him. It's based on the wrong things. It's finding joy in the wrong things. And applying God and His goodness to those will get you in trouble. Because if God is truly good when He gives you that stuff, what happens when He takes it away? The Lord giveth The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who said that? Job. Remember we looked at him last week? Does God become evil then? Well, if you've got your faith based in the wrong view of God, you've got a problem. Beloved, that is most of professing Christianity today. For most people that say they know God and follow Him, heaven is here. They want the best life they can get now and it's in what they own and where they live and in their health. And when those things, when those things fail, which they will, 
so does their faith. In fact, trials become hell for them and the worst thing ever. And how could God do this and why this and why that? Beloved, that's not faith, it's infatuation. That's a faith in an idea of God that you like rather than the sovereign almighty God of all creation. Don't let that be your faith because that's an untested faith. It's a shallow faith that does not really know much of God at all. But you see, there are those who think God is faithful and just and there are those who know God is faithful and just. They know His grace. They know His mercy because they've walked through the fire with Him and have found Him faithful. They have found Him to never forsake them. They have seen His grace and mercy in the lowest times of life. They've experienced His deliverance and they can say God is good all the time. Through the good times, through the hard times, He is good and faithful and righteous and I know it because He's been with me through the lowest times of my life. They've learned to wait on the Lord. They've learned to truly trust Him. Their faith has been tested and it has produced in them a patient endurance and reliance on Him through the trials. That's true faith. Patience is a product of true faith. Because faith truly trusts the Lord regardless of the circumstances. And in reality, isn't that godly patience? Truly trusting Him no matter what's going on? Trusting Him, period. No add-ons, no ifs, ands, or buts. Just trusting Him. You know, it's that same faith, that same true, pure faith you had it, you had when you trusted Him at salvation. You had nowhere else to go, right? You knew that you were a sinner facing the judgment of God eternally. You knew that you, there was nothing you could do to fix it, and you came to a point where you just trusted Him. Okay, Lord, it's You. It's not me, it's You. I trust You. Save me. When we were at the end of the line and without strength, we totally, fully relied and trusted in Him. That's faith. And trials bring us back to that kind of faith, don't they? At least they should. They strengthen it and they cause it to be stronger. I'm reminded of, of what uh, Moses says uh, as I- Israel comes out of Egypt and they've experienced this amazing deliverance, which they would have to do the Passover and all that, the 10th plague, all that amazing story. They would have had to do that by faith, right? And they see God's amazing hand and He brings them out and then they come to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh is pursuing him. The armies are behind them. They've got nowhere else to go. You think they would have the same kind of faith. Look, I just saw what God did in that land. We're fine. One way or another, we're going to be fine. But they don't, right? What did they say? Bop, you brought us out here to die. Was it not enough that we would have died in Egypt? Now you're, now you're going to bring us out here to die. And what does Moses say? Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand still, And see the salvation of the Lord. 
You know, sometimes we forget all that God has done for us. Trials come along, we get all sideways, and we need to remember the words of Moses. Stand still and watch what he could do. Have faith. Have faith. And you know what? Trials bring us to that point where we ought to trust him the same as we did the day that we were saved. But quite often we choose not to. Trials come and you have a choice. You, you realize that trials come along and you have a choice to either trust God or not. To go about it in your own power or to rely on God. We can, we can choose to trust our own strength and our own devices and try to figure a, a way out. And quite often that leads us away from God or causes us to doubt Him. Uh, let's say it's some kind of trouble in your marriage. Maybe that's a trial you're facing. We know, as we looked at last week, they can be various, right? All kinds of different things. Maybe you're having trouble in your marriage, and that's the trial you're going through, and times are tough, and it used to be good, but it's just, it ain't working. Maybe you're fighting, or maybe there's some something that happened, and there's bitterness. I don't know. Things can get like that, right? What do you do? So you have a choice. You could go with this line of thinking that says, Lord, I thought this was supposed to be happy. God said he, he was going to bless marriage. I don't feel that right now. I don't know what's going on, but this stinks. And the, if you start listening to the world, the world will tell you to cut ties, move on, and do what makes you happy because after all, that's what matters most is your happiness. That person is no good for you. I'm out. I can't take this anymore. I'm moving on. And far too many do just that. Or we can choose in that trial to trust His plan and His design is good. To trust His grace. To trust His mercy. And pray and work and read and love our spouse and do the best that we can and work through the problem and then come out of the other side with a marriage that is stronger and deeper and you have a better relationship with your spouse and with the Lord because you trusted Him in the trial. We have choices. That's just one example, but I think you understand. We have the, the choice to, to follow ourselves or we can trust God. When we choose to trust Him, we grow in ways we cannot grow unless our faith is put to the test. Turn over just a couple pages to 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll be back here to James in just a minute. But 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, we could pick it up in verse 3, 1 Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Those are some loaded verses, but there is joy and perfect peace waiting for us, isn't there? An inheritance that the trials of this world cannot touch, and which God keeps us to through our faith. But there are times that that faith will be put to the test. Verse 6, 
wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The testing of our faith makes us better. When sometimes we think it's the worst thing that can happen to us, God is using that to refine us, to make us better, to bring us to that glory that waits for us. Paul echoes this in Romans chapter 5. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by also whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing the tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. You see, God has a purpose for the trials that we face. That is to test our faith, to make it stronger, and to draw us closer to Him by by us learning to wait on Him, by us learning to truly trust Him. The trying of your faith works patience. Go back to James if you've turned away. You see, through the tests that we face, we learn to endure. We learn to wait on the Lord in faith in a way that only trials can bring. And as we do that, it does something important. Notice verse 4. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He uses some pretty important descriptions here. Let patience have her perfect or complete work, that ye may be perfect, complete, And it says entire. Uh, Some of your translations may say complete. And that word means in every way complete. Like fully done, fully completed, fully filled up. You are fully complete. Patience works in our hearts to make us perfect. Patience is not only a product of tested faith, but patience works to make us perfect, complete. Again, I think down at its core, it's pretty simple. I mean, you can understand this simply by reading the verses. Patience works in us because it teaches us to rely on Him and not ourselves. We got a problem with self, don't we? And patience, through the testing of our faith teaches us to do away with the idol of self and self-control and place God back on the throne, doesn't it? It teaches us to not rely on ourself, but to rely on God. We're pretty self-reliant. <laughs> we like to control everything. We like to guide all that we do. If there's a problem, we try to fix it, right? What happens when you can't fix a problem? Because I don't know about you, I've faced problems that I can't fix. I've, had, I've faced problems that I have no control over. And if my reliance is totally on myself, I'm going to be in trouble. 
It's those tests and those trials that teach us to put God back in control. And sometimes the trials are tough and we don't even know how we're going to get through the day. We don't know how we're going to pay the bills. We don't know how things are going to turn out in different situations. But if we learn by faith to turn those things over to Him, to say, you are in control, Lord, I'm trusting you, it takes self out of the way and it allows God to work in a way that He could not before. It allows Him to show His power and grace and mercy in a mighty way. I'm reminded of a couple places in the Old Testament. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 or King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19. They're faced with outside nations that are coming against Israel. They're going to attack them. They're going to obliterate them. And in both instances, those kings could have got the army together and say, all right, let's go. Let's go fight it. We got this. No problem. That's not what they did. And too often, that's what we do, right? We see something coming We get all of our resources together. We say, all right, let's fight this. And usually you find that's to a losing battle, isn't it? You waste all kinds of energy. You waste all kinds of time. You waste all kinds of just of of yourself fighting a battle that you can't win by yourself. What did those two kings do? They brought it before the Lord and said, hey, you see what's going on? Help. We need your help. And God works in a, greaty, in a great and mighty way. They laid it out before Him. They say, we have no power in this. We need your help and your power. And He did so. Beloved, have you done that with the trials you faced? Have you done that with the hard times and the hard situations and the things that you think you can't get through? Have you been quick to bring them before God? If not, you need to. And some of us have learned to do so, haven't we? You know why? Because we learned the hard way. (laughs) We learned the hard way. I can't do this. I need your help. Because you've become more complete in that way. You understand? You've let patience work in your heart and now you know maybe better than you did before, how much God can work and how much grace God can give. And you only learned that because you went through a hard trial. You see how that works? The testing of our faith produces patience, and patience does a work in us to complete us, to bring us closer to God, to help us to rely on Him more than we would without those trials. Some people, uh, when a hard time comes along, a trial, whatever it may be, whether it's something internally or externally or whatever that various trial may be, it comes along and it shakes them, but it shakes them to the point where they stop doing everything. Like they stop praying, they stop reading their Bible. They stop. And I, I want to give a caution that 
Yes, we are to trust Him. And we are to fully rely on Him. But that doesn't mean we stop serving Him either. Faith without works is dead. Look in chapter 2. Just turn over a page in chapter 2 of James. And there's just a mention made here. I want to mention in passing as we're moving to a close. James 2 and verse 17. I want you to notice it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So, by the way, that throws out people that say they love God and trust God, never read the Scripture, never pray, never go to church, never do anything. That's not faith. Or it's, it's faith, it's dead. You get mad at me? Don't get mad at me. The Scripture just said it. <laughs> Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Look what he references. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? I would call that a trial. You wait like 25, 30 years for a son of promise. You're like 100 years old. He finally comes along. Amen, this is great. Life is good. And then God says, hey, I want you to kill him. That's a trial that would shake your faith, right? Most of us would probably say, nope, I'm out. This is too much. Sorry, God. I have faith in you. And I've seen that you've done some amazing things in the past, but this trial is too much. I'm out. You know what? Some people can get like that, can't they? I know you've brought me through some amazing things, but this is too much, God. I can't make this. I can't do this. I can't survive this. But Abraham didn't do that, did he? He showed his faith in God by his works. He was obedient to God through the trial. We all know how that worked out, didn't it? It worked out amazing. God delivered him. He says, no, I see that you trust me. I see that you love me. And Abraham was greatly blessed because of it. Beloved, we don't stop serving God because a hard time comes along. We trust Him through the trial. We serve Him in faith through the trial, just like Abraham did. Seest thou how faith, verse 22, wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only? We are to serve him through those trials, to stick with him through those trials, just as Abraham did. Because through those times, He can work the greatest. And we can learn more of Him than any other time. And those of you who know that can then tell others about His power in hard times when they face it. It works to bring us closer to God. It works to bring us to a place of maturity. Hopefully, as we learn God's deliverance, as we learn more patience through trials, we put it into practice when the next time comes. 
that when the next trial comes, we find ourselves in a place of calm, steady trust in Him rather than getting crazy sideways every time there's a bump in the road. Instead of, instead of getting sideways, our first reaction is to turn to Him. And say, okay, Lord, here we go. I need your help again. And perhaps you need to be reminded of that. I would simply ask you to listen to the Scriptures from people that have been delivered from amazing trials. Hear from people that know God's goodness. David writes in Psalm 27, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me. I love that line. You have been my help. Help me now. It's okay to pray that way. There's a, a man in the New Testament, I forget, I think it's Peter says it. Someone else says it as well. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Peter says, I, I'm, a, I'm an unfaithful man. My faith is weak, something along those lines. It's okay to pray that. It's okay to tell God, hey, I'm kind of feeling weak right now. Help me. That's what David says, right? You have been my help. Please don't leave me. Don't forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not to the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see His goodness, unless I would have had faith that He was going to bring me through this. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Jeremiah writes in the book of Lamentations, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah writes in chapter 40, he says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you know the Lord in that way? Have you experienced His goodness in your life? Can you say the same thing as these writers? That happens when our faith is tested. When we find that the Lord does not forsake us. In fact, that testing produces patience, endurance, and reliance on God. You know what it can do for you? It can make you fearless. It can make you fearless. Paul faced more trials in his life than we could ever imagine. There's a place in 2 Corinthians, I think it's in chapter 10, where he talks about all that he went through. Shipwrecked a couple times, beaten with rods, left to die. All that he faced. Man, we get somebody sighing at us when we hand them a track and we get all discouraged. Somebody answered the door bad. I'm never doing this again. 
what weak people we are. Paul faced more trials than we could ever imagine. And you know what he says? For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Second Corinthians, we're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. We faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. At the end of his life, in the last letter he writes, he writes this, 2 Timothy 4. Through all that he faced, all that he went through, he says this, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. (laughs) At the end of all that Paul faced, he's in a Roman dungeon, alone, waiting to have his head removed from his body. He says, the Lord stood with me through it all. He strengthened me, that by me preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's somebody who knows the power of God in trials. He knows the faithfulness and goodness of God and has learned to trust Him fully. Do you trust God in that way? Paul is not superhuman. He's simply a man who trusts God with everything that he has. You know, we can do the same too. And perhaps we need to pray for that strength. Perhaps you need to pray for patience in the trial. Go back to James. We'll finish out. Last thought. Patience is a product of tested faith. Patience works to make us perfect. And patience is something to be prayed for. Don't listen to what you've heard. Don't ever pray for patience. No. Scriptures say pray for it. Look in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And usually we take this block apart from trials. We take this block and talk about praying. And you can. The point being that we ought to pray for wisdom in life. We ought to ask the Lord for His guidance in life and do so with faith. And that if we ask in faith, that God is going to grant it. The caveat being that we need to ask in faith without wavering. Which we should, right? It's a thing we should do in life. Jesus said, Ask and it shall be granted unto you. And I hope that we pray with a faithful attitude. That if we ask something of God according to His will, that He will grant it. That's the way we ought to pray. But too many of us already pray with a defeated attitude. We ask for something and we really don't think God is going to grant it. 
Well, that makes us unstable. Which might bring a question to some of your minds. Well, what about the time I prayed for whatever and God said no? Anybody have those prayers? I do. I have those prayers. It didn't mean that he didn't answer my prayer. He did. He just didn't give the answer I thought he should give. You know what that trial taught me? To trust in God. You see, we think trials always have to have the end we want. But quite often the end we want is not the will of God. And sometimes he gives us the answer we don't want. And though we question him, we need to learn to trust him, fully believe him, and trust in his answer. Romans chapter 11 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. For who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who hath first given to him and shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God has his will and sometimes I don't get it. And I take rest in knowing that his will is better than mine. I have to trust him in that. In fact, those prayers we pray have been sent up in trials, haven't we? Those times we fully relied on him. The times we've asked for peace in the answer he has given. That's actually the context for these verses. I need to pray for wisdom in the trial to see God working. Because I know He's testing my faith and it's supposed to produce patience and it's supposed to have a work in me. I don't see it, God. This is really hard. Pray for wisdom. That's what James says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him pray. And ask in faith. Lord, give me wisdom in this trial. Help me to see you. Help me to trust you. Help me to act in the right way. Whether this trial is something I'm going through or somebody else is going through, give me wisdom. Help me to see past the circumstance to what you're doing. Give me patience in this. Help me to make it through. If you're facing a trial, if your faith is being tested, pray for wisdom in it. Pray that the Lord would teach you to wait on Him because even though it might seem unbearable at the moment, the Lord has promised to never forsake you. He promised to never leave you. If He loves you enough to save you, He's going to bring you through this. And though your faith is being tested, you'll find that it's not in vain because through this trial, you can begin to know God on a whole new, deeper level. He'll be closer to you, more real to you. You'll see His power and His strength and His grace firsthand. You'll find that He is a refuge, He is the Deliverer, and He is faithful to those who wait on Him. And if you need to pray for wisdom to see that, pray for it. And pray for it with nothing wavering, God says He'll give it to you. Beloved, you get there, you will lack nothing. 
you'll be right where God wants you to be. Because your faith has been tested and it's come through like gold. And it's set rock solid upon the God of your salvation. And though the trial may hurt, the trial may be hard, there's a sense of joy there knowing who God is and His presence with you. Maybe you need to pray for that this morning. Maybe you need to pray to be reminded of who He is or for wisdom in this trial or for patience in the trial. To be able to see past it in faith to the joy that God will bring you to. I know it's sometimes not what we want, but in the trials, God works in us to bring about our good and a greater knowledge of Him. We just have to trust Him in that. Maybe that's where you need to be this morning. To strengthen your faith, to strengthen the reliance on Him, to give you wisdom in the trial so that you can count it joy in the trial you face right here and right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, ask that you would take this message and the words and use them as you see fit. Help our hearts when we are so faithless at times and so distracted with other things. Help us to rely fully on you. Lord, you are our everything. You are our refuge. You are our salvation. You are our deliverer. So, Lord, if there are some facing trials that might seem overwhelming to them, strengthen them. Help them to rely fully on you to endure the trial and give them wisdom in it so that they might see the joy of your presence and your salvation. Help us, strengthen us, Lord, as a body that we might be a body that fully relies and trusts on you. Do the work that only you can do now, Lord, by your Spirit in our hearts. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.